the grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. Christian nationalism. It is possible that you are labeled a Christian nationalist and you don't even know it. How would you know? What is it? That is the topic that we cover today on The Grid. But first, a word from our sponsor. Did you like the intro music to The Grid? If so, let me introduce you to J.D. Coleman, a young music composer. He excels in taking your concepts and converting them to a musical score best suited to you and your business. He's helped the Kingdom Patriot Group as well as Phenomenal Christianity and their podcast. What do you need to know about J.D.? He voted in the national election as soon as he turned 18. He's active in political discourse and is committed to the original founder's intent of the U.S. Constitution. What does that mean to you? He's a patriot and he's skilled at composing music for you and your business. Contact him today at scoreandsplice at gmail.com. Again, that email is scoreandsplice at gmail.com. Reach out to JD today to take care of your music needs. Be sure to tell him you are a Kingdom Patriot. All right, this is a difficult topic to tackle, and I'm so glad that I'm not doing it alone. I want to welcome back co-host Sean Griffin. How are you doing today, Sean? Thank you, Chris. Doing really, really well. And I'm going to hit the mute button occasionally because I still have this stupid cough. <laughs> That's okay. A little bit under the weather. I understand. So today we are talking about Christian nationalism. I did some research. I know you did some research. And I'm going to guess what you found. It's an easy to understand topic. It's clearly defined. And who it applies to is easily determined. That's what you found, right? <laughs> Right. It's as easy as nailing jello to the wall. <laughs> That's a pretty good descriptor. People that are listening right now, you probably wonder, well, what is Christian nationalism? And we are going to tackle that, but I, I will tell you right up front, it's very difficult. But we're not going to do it by sitting here reading you a bunch of definitions. We're actually going to approach this a little different. The first thing we're going to do is we're going to listen to a couple of clips. We're going to listen to what people are saying what they think Christian nationalism, how it applies, how the label uh, gets attached to people before we ever go into what we think it means. But before we do that, I want to lay a foundation. Sean, you like foundations, right? It's kind of hard to live without one. You know, scripture talks about a foundation building your house on the rock. So we're going to talk about at the Kingdom Patriot Group what that foundation is. Want to be very clear before we get into labels and monikers and descriptors. At the very core of what we do, we love God. Nothing trumps that. We love God. We also love our country. And those two things are core to the work that we do, but it also becomes core as we start diving into this difficult subject. Sean, you ready to dive in? Let's give it a whirl, man. If you're a Christian and if you love your country, uh-oh, you're a Christian nationalist. This is Wretched Radio. These two words that are being bandied about lately sure seem to have been taking on a flavor that doesn't taste very good if you happen to be a Christian. 
It is a broadly defined term. It is everything from the people in the KKK, white supremacists, all the way to, you know, it was kind of nice when we said a Pledge of Allegiance and, and, and sang America the Beautiful. Congratulations. If you are anywhere in that spectrum, you're a Christian nationalist. And that means you're dangerous, you're delusional, and you are an enemy of the state. So I guess, Sean, that I f- should first throw out this dis- disclaimer that I'm not promoting uh, Wretched Radio or saying I even agree with all of their theology, but I thought that clip was a really good representation of the ambiguity of the term Christian nationalism. What do you think? He clearly spells it out. I mean, the, it's a broad spectrum, and it's clearly a term, Christian nationalism, uh, used by a lot of people to either shut somebody down or shut their argument down or shut them up. So why do you think that the spectrum, if he's right, why is the spectrum so broad? I've got a theory, but I'm curious what you think. Well, I think it's so broad because you have, it isn't clearly defined. So it's kind of like a one size fits all label slap. Bam, shut you up. You're a misogynist or you're a sexist or you're a white supremacist. You don't have to have any evidence to get accused. Yeah, that's exactly what I, I think. And I, I think the, the more broad a label is, the easier it is to lump more people in it. I mean, that, that just makes sense, right? The more broad that is, the more people you can stuff into that category. And in doing so, the easier it is to vilify a large portion of people. And in this case, a voting block. That's my theory. Right. And, you know, there is somebody that we know of in, in the past, mid-century, last, last century, that specialized in vilifying people. Because if you can vilify a group of people, then you can get another group of people to act in their worst interest. I think that's a great point. So, Sean, do you think this label is just meant to shut down a group of people? Or does it go deeper than that? Well, it seems to me that it it can be used as heavy handed as um, a sledgehammer or as surgical as a knife. Uh, If you want to shut down a group of people, just slap them and say that's what they are. But you can also just shut down a person's argument. They've got one very strong point, but bam, you hit them with that. They may agree with the rest of what you've got to say. But it's very useful to them to slap that label on you uh, for your one point. Yeah, you know, as I was thinking, I was trying to think, well, how would we apply that in real terms? And I was thinking uh, maybe the issue of abortion. Most evangelical Christians, at least I hope most evangelical Christians, are pro-life and believe that abortion is murder and that that is abhorrent to what the Lord wants us to do. But in that view, if we're labeled a Christian nationalist, and so is the member of a KKK, then as soon as we try to talk about abortion and wanting to save lives, we, it gets framed as being, you're just anti-abortion because you're a Christian nationalist. And when that happens, no one listens to the argument. No one listens to what you're trying to promote. They only listen to, oh, who is this coming from? Of course, is a white nationalist. Therefore, whatever they have to say is completely invalid. Exactly. And you can, you can even widen the scope and say, oh my gosh, because 
this human being is so horrible, then all human beings are horrible. Thus, thus earthlings are horrible. Yeah, it's crazy. So we're about to switch gears here as I want us to hear a clip by an organization called Christians Against Christian Nationalism. But before I do that, in your estimation, is this term divisive? <laughs> yeah, very divisive. And I don't even like math. That's funny. I think it really, really is. So let's listen to this clip and then let's have a dialogue about it. Sure. I'm a Christian against Christian nationalism. I'm a Christian against Christian nationalism. I'm a Christian against Christian nationalism. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian against Christian nationalism. Against Christian nationalism. Against Christian nationalism. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Against Christian nationalism. So you hear that video. What do you think? Hmm. Well, I think it's, you know, jump on the bandwagon. I hope this is not the case. So I say that up front. But I do get the feeling that a lot of the folks that participated in that recording, they don't have a firm grasp of the definition of Christian nationalists. I think that's a fair point, because let's go back to the, the clip we just listened to a few minutes ago. And as we understand, Christian nationalism is actually being defined potentially from KKK all the way to, hey, I really liked it when the Pledge of Allegiance was in school or when we had prayer in school. So if you're a Christian and you're against the KKK, I agree with that. But if you're a Christian against prayer in the school and against the Pledge of Allegiance, I completely disagree with that. Thus, I think this is where we see part of this paradox because the scope of which this label is applied is so broad, it actually encompasses people who have opposing views and lumps them into a single bucket. Yes. So I was thinking about this earlier today. And what I came down to is it might be a little challenging to follow along with this, but follow, follow me in this. So you've got Christian A labels Christian B. Let's say Thomas labels Mark a Christian nationalist. Okay. Well, if you were to take the definition that Thomas used to label Mark, you would probably find that Mark doesn't actually fit Thomas's definition of that label, but they use it because that's how they perceive Thomas perceives Mark as a Christian nationalist, but his belief system doesn't match Thomas's definition. And I think you'll find that that is the case with so many people that do the labeling. They literally misuse the label. I totally agree. That, I think that's what makes this so challenging. You know, I don't want to get too much in the weeds here, but in that video that we just listened, or at least the audio version of that video, everybody's saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Yet, I know that some of the stuff on their website, they partnered with the Freedom From Religion Foundation or that organization to prepare some of their information. Well, if you know anything about Freedom From Religion, it is not an agnostic or neutral organization. They, they are diametrically opposed to faith, pure and simple. Is that, is that how you read them? Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah. It's like, wait, stop, halt. I can't roll my eyes to the back of my head that far. Seriously. It's like, sadly, there are many people in that organization who are going to die and go to hell. Let's just be blunt. Yeah. Although that, that, that's a whole nother topic, but I think that, I think you'd also describe the church. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I use the word evangelical Christian, but I really probably should stop using that term and really should start using the term a, a disciple, a follower of Christ, because that there's a lot of people who say they're Christians, but are clearly not a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ. I have a new term for that, although I'm sure somebody else has thought of it. You know how we have rhinos that are Republicans in name only? Well, we also have Chinos. Christians in name only. And I don't mean that to be ugly because I really I don't want to be ugly, but we really do have people in the church that think they're Christians, but they really have no idea what being a, a follower of Christ really is. Yeah, I, I totally agree. There's an article in Christianity Today that was re- written in February of 2021. And just to sort of preface the context, I notice a lot of the research around Christian nationalism uh, or a lot of people were commenting on it within weeks or a few months of what happened on January 6th, because I think so many people were afraid of the fallout and they attempted to define what happened on January 6th with the term Christian nationalism, when in reality, it may not have applied to the vast majority of people. But when we get back, let's jump into that conversation from the article on Christianity Today. Sounds good. We'll be right back. In order to expand our audience to like-minded believers and patriots, you have to tell them about us. How do you do that? I'm so glad you asked. Right now, in this moment, hit that follow button on your podcast and give us a five-star rating. Tell your friends and your neighbors about this community. Share any episode on your social media. If you feel compelled to share that photo of little Johnny who fell in a puddle, then surely sharing an episode of The Grid is just as easy. Help us today. Tell others about the Kingdom Patriot Group and this podcast, The Grid. All right, welcome back. Let's dive into this Christianity Today article. As now, we, you've seen where we've talked a little bit about how people are being labeled and even the divisiveness around Christian nationalism. But now let's, we're going to switch gears and we're going to dive into try to define it for you. That's why we're diving into this Christianity Today article. All right, so they have the subtitle, What is Patriotism and Is It Good? Patriotism is the love of country. It is different from nationalism which is an argument about how to define a country. Christians should recognize that patriotism is good because all of God's creation is good, and patriotism helps us appreciate our particular place in it. Our affection and loyalty to a specific part of God's creation helps us to do the good work of cultivating and improving the part we happen to live in. As Christians, we can and should love the United States, which also means working to improve our country by holding it up for critique and working for justice when it airs. Wow. As you read that, I mean, it really, that paragraph is honing in on patriotism. Sean, what, what's wrong with that? I read that and I go, yep, that's exactly how I feel. I couldn't have written it better myself. You know, we started this podcast today talking about how we love our country. As we may talk a little bit later, I wonder if Christian nationalism is the wrong phrase for the majority of Americans who love their country, that really they just have patriotism. I guess I can put that on the shelf, but I'm, I'm just wondering if maybe the label is misapplied. Yeah, it could very well be. 
I think I agree. So let's keep going. What is nationalism? Um, the article continues. Most scholars agree that nationalism starts with the belief that humanity is divisible into mutually distinct, internally coherent culture groups defined by shared traits like language, religion, ethnicity, or culture. And I'm sorry, Sean, I didn't know that we were going to read this article and step right back into sociology class. <laughs> For sure. It's like, it's a good thing you said that rather slowly. That's quite a list. Well, it is quite a list. It's interesting when you hear the words that Christian nationalists are Nazis. That, that's one that's being thrown around. Yet the actual definition means it really is just a way to divide people. But Sean, when you think about your love for country, are you looking to divide people? No, I'm not. Not at all. In fact, you know, if we all, as we get closer, like for instance, in marriage, there's a, what is often referred to as a triangle as the, as the husband and wife get closer to God, lo and behold, they get closer to each other because they're going toward one central point. And as they get closer to him, the distance between themselves, you know, gets smaller, you know, when it comes to the love of country, all we've got to do is see political rallies, regardless of who they're for, these people come together. They don't agree about everything, but they've chosen the things that they have in common to come together and celebrate and promote. Yeah, I totally agree. In fact, scripture commands us to do everything that we can to live in unity. And sometimes I think, I think Christians get labeled with this device of nature because we want to, as the first paragraph said, is to work for justice when we see errors justice for the unborn, justice for Christians who want to worship freely without the government impeding on the ability to do so. Yes. So let's just keep going. What is Christian nationalism then? So we talked a little bit about patriotism. We've talked a little bit about nationalism, but then Christianity Today defines when you put those together, that Christian nationalism is, a, is the belief that American nation is defined by Christianity and that the government should take active steps to keep it that way. Now, popularly, Christian nationalists assert that America is and must remain a Christian nation, not merely as an observation about American history, but as a prescriptive program for what America must continue to be in the future. Scholars like Samuel Huntington have made a similar statement, that America is defined by its Anglo-Protestant past, and that what we will lose our identity and our freedom if we do not preserve our cultural inheritance. When you read that, does that invoke an emotional response? Do you disagree with, the, with, with that, that description? With that sentence, I'm in total agreement because it's true. Our country was founded by believers. It was founded by believers, bottom line. Imperfect believers. I think it's important to say that because sometimes people think that we hold up at the founding fathers as being saints, and they were believers who were flawed, just like you and just like me. And that is why they established uh, three branches of government because they know they were painfully aware of the sinful nature of man, especially the unredeemed man. I think that is a great point. Because all of that power residing with one person, oh my goodness. If the guy is righteous or the woman is righteous, things are, you know, can be mostly okay but we, they had seen time and time again all that centralized power just went to their head 
and they broke it up because they know and they understood the sinful nature of man and what power can do to somebody when they have uh, that kind of power behind their choices. Sean, you want to go ahead and take the next paragraph in that same section? So we're going to cover what is the problem with nationalism. Humanity is not easily divisible into mutually distinct cultural units. Cultures overlap and their borders are fuzzy. Since cultural units are fuzzy, they make a poor fit for the foundation for political order. Cultural identities are fluid and hard to draw boundaries around, but political boundaries are hard and semi-permanent. Attempting to found political legitimacy on cultural likeness means political order will be constantly in danger of being felt as illegitimate by some group or another. Cultural pluralism is essentially inevitable in every nation. So as you read that, again, now we're into sociology class 102. (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't know that I disagree with the definition, but I think I disagree with the application. As I read this, I think it's making the assumption that the political establishment in a particular country is completely agnostic and everything around that should be preserved as so. And when you try to label people or I guess group people, draw boundaries around culture, which I guess it's this is this article is labeling Christianity as a culture, that it puts up ultimately conflict between that government, which tends to be a permanent establishment, and the culture which tends to be fluid. Where I disagree with where it appears this application is going is that our country was not founded as as agnostic. It was not founded as a country that was void and separated from faith principles. Do you you agree with my my thoughts on that? Yeah, I I think basically I would. What they're pointing out here is the jello, nailing jello to the wall. Their observation is that, you know, it's hard to draw boundaries around certain things that are fluid. Yeah. So in essence, I would. Yeah. So this article continues. Uh, it continues to talk about, you know, what is the problem? But I, and rather than focus kind of what the article said, I'm going to tell you what I, I think is, is one of the challenges in this. And it's not, it, there's two dangers here and they're both on ends of the spectrum. The one danger is, is that we say we can't, that because there is this potential divide between government, which is semi-permanent and culture, which is fluid, that to espouse the views of how we believe that the Lord founded this country, that, that one of those dangers is, is that I must be silent and not share that. Otherwise, I am labeled as divisive. I'm labeled as a person who is trying to silence or uh, divide or castigate a particular group of people. And I actually think that that is where the Christian nationalist label goes to. I think that's what it's trying to say. This is what you're doing. The means at which you try to express your opinion is you're trying to alienate people. You're trying to shove, a pe- shove people aside who don't agree with you. And I think that's an unfair label. On the other hand, I think, I think one of the real dangers of Christian nationalism, at least as the label applies, is on the one hand, you have people that are trying to achieve their ends by means that are so clearly not biblical, it's not even funny. And I would question in some of those instances, 
did those people really think that they're they're following God? The ones who are resorting to violence, the ones who are using scripture to justify a political ideology, those really concern me. That is a big danger, uh, at least at how this is applied. That's a big danger of Christian nationalism. But I see another danger that's also not talked about, Sean. And I see the danger that we're so afraid of being labeled like that, that through fear, we gravitate to silence and that we're not willing to try to improve our country. Yes. And I don't know that that, I don't know that that danger is talked about as much. Only only the one on the one extreme is, but I, I think there's two dangers here on each end of the spectrum that we have to be incredibly wary of. Well, I think that second danger is actually more ominous because it's so common and it's not seen. It's hard to see an argument or hear an argument when it's not expressed. And that's what we have happening, you know, every day. It's like we did a podcast back toward the beginning. We talked about the difference between liberals and conservatives. Well, conservatives understand where liberals liberals are coming from because they hear the liberal message day in and day out. Whereas a lot of liberals do not necessarily know what what, uh, conservatives are thinking because their point of view is not equally represented in the media. Summarizing, conservatives fully understand where the liberals are coming from because they hear the liberal message every day. Most liberals do not know where conservatives are coming from because they don't adhere or listen to or go to the sources where those voices are shared. Yeah, I think that's a great point, unless you're going to alternative media. And for anyone who's listening right now that is a liberal I, and a progressive, and you disagree with some of this, and you really are angry with Christian nationalists, I just want to stop for a second and just share my heart. When Sean and I and the Kingdom Patriot Group and people that we're, that we're trying to reach who are like mind, like faith, yeah, of course we want to change tax policy. And We don't like big government and all of those things, but those have nothing to do with our faith per se. I I want you to hear that. We're we're not using Christianity to justify differences in approach of of policy and laws and so forth. So we can talk about tax policy. We can talk about limited government, expansive government. We can talk about those all, all day long and have a friendly debate. I have no interest in trying to use scripture to justify my approach, except for those things that I see and understand to be unbiblical. My heart is to see everyone come to know Christ. My heart is to see leaders of integrity in our government, leaders that tell you the truth, leaders that value life, leaders that value seeing people restored and seeing people grow in their own faith. I just want to tell you, if you're listening, that to me, the means matter. We love you, and we don't want to alienate anyone. We just want to share the good news and how the Lord has changed our life. And we know that politics is an arena that we should be allowed to do that, that that should not be an area that has to be shut off and cut off from that conversation where we can share good news. So I just wanted to take a moment to share my heart in that area. And I'd like to add to that, you know, our nation was founded by believers. And as long as, as long as we have godly influence in government, then we're going to be able to sustain this experiment that is a blessing to people 
who believe and follow Jesus just as much as it is uh, for folks who are on the complete opposite side of the spectrum. This country is a blessing to anybody who lives here. We are all benefiting from the fruit of what this country has become, regardless of what you actually believe in. And the evidence is the simple fact that we have a lot of people trying to illegally get into this country. If it was as bad as some of the people in the media say it is, people would not be trying to get into it illegally. Yeah, totally agree with you. There are several other items in this article, and we want to move on, but this article will be posted in the show notes so that you can go get that. I think it's important to read the article. You may not agree with the whole thing, but yet I do think that Christianity Today made an honest attempt to define nationalism, to define Christian nationalism in more of a neutral point of view, and then explain the good and the bad of patriotism and the inherent dangers that may exist with a certain line of thinking. So what I would like to do now is that was Christianity Today. So that was a magazine of believers who are tackling, in essence, a label that actually applies to them or could apply to them because Christian nationalism is applying to Christians. But I'm going to take a moment and we're actually going to go to, okay, what would a secular definition look like? And I'm not saying it's the source of all truth, but one thing we know when you Google something, one of the first places you click is going to be Wikipedia. So I'm going to jump into that article and read some of those definitions of Christian nationalism. Are you ready, Sean, for me to, to jump in? Sure, man. Let's dive in. All right. So I'm quoting directly from Wikipedia. This will also be posted uh, in the show notes. Christian nationalists primarily focus on internal politics, such as passing laws that reflect their view of Christianity and its role in political and social life. In countries with a state church, Christian nationalists, in seeking to preserve the status of a Christian state, uphold an anti-de-establishmentarian position. Christian nationalists have emphasized a recovery of territory in which Christianity formerly flourished, historically to establish a pan-Christian state out of the countries within Christendom. How do you react to that, Sean? <laughs> That's a mouthful, isn't it? Yeah, we keep getting these. You know, what's really interesting, I, I'm going to totally digress here for a second, but what's really interesting, does this not remind you a little bit of critical race theory or wokeness or some of these other cultural labels? It's People get so passionate about them, but at the end of the day, it is so difficult to actually bring clarity on what the definition really is. Right. It really is. This is like, this is, to me, this is written by somebody who is not a believer. And they're just lumping everything into one big blob. So, well, let me continue with it. It says, uh, these people actively promote religious discourse in various fields of social life, politics, history, culture, science, with respect to legislation. For example, Christian nationalists advocate blue laws. Okay, in one sense, I actually don't disagree with that in the sense of I would support a law that says that we should go ahead and celebrate Sabbath. I, I think that's a biblical principle that we should all have a day of rest. Right. But that's not because right. I'm promoting some sort of nationalism. I just think it's a wise principle. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the Sabbath was created for rest. Anybody who practices a Sabbath, regardless of what day it is, when they take a day off to rest, it helps them 
with their work. So this article continues, Christian nationalists support the presence of Christian symbols and statuary in the public square, as well as state patronage for the display of religion, such as school prayer and the exhibition of nativity scenes during Christmas tide or the Christian cross on Good Friday. And even one they don't listen, I think of, for instance, Moses and the Ten Commandments outside a courthouse. Right. Do you have a problem with that? I don't personally. I mean, I, I understand that atheists do, but atheists often forget how the country was founded. I agree. Our country was founded on Christian principles. It's not just part of our faith heritage. It's actually part of our, our government heritage, our country's heritage. And it has historical and benefits as well as faith benefits. And to, and to unintentionally butt in, that uh, freedom that we have, they also get to exercise their freedom. It's our beliefs and our trust in the Savior that allows them the freedom to not believe. I love that. The reason I love that is because what has happened over the years? I remember we did that podcast on humanism where humanism has really invaded every aspect of our government. And I hear people talking about freedom of religion, freedom from religion, but actually our country ha has not separated church and state. And what I mean by that is the state is separated from Christianity. It was what this country was founded on those principles. But our government actually has endorsed the religion of humanism. And that in itself is a religion. Yes. But it's a yes. religion that puts all the focus on man and not the focus on God, not the focus on Christ. Again, as we, as we talked before, their motto, their logo says good without God. And so I think what's happened, and, and in this discourse, a lot of people don't realize that in the attempt to separate church and state, Liberal progressive non-believers have actually done the very thing that they have accused everyone else of doing, and that is they have endorsed a very specific religion. It just doesn't include God. It's the religion of humanism. Right. And I think one of the reasons why they don't recognize it as a religion is because they don't pass the plate. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. Well, let's take a moment. And when we get back, we're going to dive into one more clip by a lady named Allie Beth Stuckey who in a three-minute span really encapsulates this discussion. We'll be right back. Interested in a particular topic that you want us to cover? If so, email us at admin at kingdompatriot.us. That's admin at kingdompatriot.us. We'd love to hear from you today has said, you know, one of the biggest problems that we're seeing in Christianity right now is Christian nationalism. And I've talked about this. Beth Moore said the same thing. There are other evangelical leaders that I think a lot of people would, um, who believe that Christian nationalism is the biggest threat to the church that we have. And all he goes on to say about Christian nationalism, um, evangelicals nurtured Christian nationalism, Christian nationalists use uh, use that fear and resentment. We brought it on ourselves. And he said in churches across the U.S., many members are falling into one of two camps, Keller said. On one hand, many young evangelicals, particularly those living in cities, almost have a tendency to be overwoke and take their cues from the secular world, talking about Christian nationalists in nasty ways. Uh, he goes on to say that some pastors are saying that 
Uh, some people are leaving their churches because they don't talk about justice and about how bad Trump is or how bad Christian national is, uh, nationalism is and because these pastors are not preaching about it. So here's what I think about all of that. Um, I think that there are very few actual Christian nationalists in the evangelical church. Unfortunately, Christian nationalism has been used as a boogeyman in the same way that Marxist or Marxism kind of kind of has been used as a boogeyman. But here's what I'll say, and I understand that because I'm on the conservative side of this, that you might see me as biased in this way. But Marxism is actually much more of a legitimate threat to the evangelical church than Christian nationalism is. And I think we have to define our terms here. So Christian nationalism is so rarely defined by the people who use it. When Beth Moore, for example, said that our biggest threat is Christian nationalism in the church and it has to do with Trumpism, I asked her on Twitter, hey, can you define like, what do you mean by this? Like, what is Christian nationalism? The, and she didn't respond to me. She's not obligated to respond to me. But also, I think clarity in defining our terms is really important. And so when you're saying Christian nationalist, are you just saying all conservative Christians? Are you just saying anyone who is patriotic, anyone who loves our country, anyone who believes in religious liberty, anyone who believes that, for example, that God is the great moral lawgiver and therefore what he says is good and right and true should be directive for how we should formulate our laws? Is that Christian nationalism? So has every person who has believed in God as the great moral lawgiver, have they all been Christian nationalists? Wow. Those comments by Ali really encapsulate this entire discussion around Christian nationalism. And I think she also, she was really doing the article in response to a famous author and apparently an article that he wrote. So we tried to leave that out because we're really not here to really downgrade anyone. What, what we're trying to do is, again, is to define Christian nationalism. We started with what are people saying about it? Is it divisive? How wide is the label? But ultimately, what does it mean? And I think she encapsulates several things. Number one, I think she encapsulated the fact that it's really divisive, that you have these two camps out there. You have the one that tends to be very liberal, very progressive in their faith, almost overwoke, I think it's how it's described. But then you have the other that is the extreme Christian nationalist. Is that how you heard that, Sean? Yes. I thought she did an outstanding job and that she really pulled it all together in a short period of time. In fact, I love the question she asked. She was asking questions. So if we use our faith to help us formulate laws, recognizing that the true morality of laws comes from God, does that make us a Christian nationalist? I, I love that question. It was awesome. As I listened to that, did you ever hear her actually give a concrete definition of a Christian nationalist? No. I didn't either. She got fairly close, but again, she's illustrating the fact that it's vague. It's fuzzy at best. That's what I would say. I would think she raised a lot of questions because I think she recognizes that it's such a broad label that if you have faith and if you love country, you're going to be labeled a, a Christian nationalist. Right. Even though some of those things are very righteous. I, I think the misunderstanding around this, now this is just me speaking off the cuff, but I think people picture Christian nationalism more of 
maybe like England, when there was an established religion of the state and it was perverted and clearly biblical principles were not being followed and that Christianity and scripture was being used to justify sin. I mean, that, that there's really no other way to say it. It was being used to justify evil, selfish, sinful people. Is that what we're talking about here? Yeah, I think that you really hit that there. And it reminds me of a movie that I recently saw. I believe the movie was called The Edge of War. And you had two really good friends, two close friends. You had a Brit and a German. There was one scene that really gripped me. And suddenly it's like it made some of the things that are going on in the U.S. with regard to Christians who support Trump. It made it very, very clear because in this one scene, you could see the perspective of each of the two young men. And they were seeing the other from their perspective, but not seeing the opposite perspective. The Brit is seeing the actions of Hitler and defining what's going on by his actions. Flip it, the German is seeing Hitler by his words, by what he is promising and by the positive way that he's talking about Germany and how Germany can come back and can thrive again. They were looking at Hitler from two completely different perspectives. One was going to make the nation thrive again and sounded like a good thing. On the flip side, the Brit is seeing the actions that Hitler was taking. Both of them valid, but if each of the young men didn't see where the other one was coming from, then they're not going to land on the same page. In fact, it ended up being the argument that separated and destroyed their friendship. You know, I don't want to be over cynical here. Actually, yes, I do. It kind of reminds me of if I had two choices. If I had a choice to follow a leader who was doing everything he could to protect the unborn and along the way sent out a bunch of mean tweets versus the utmost statesman who never said a mean word to anyone but supported laws that expanded the genocide of the unborn, I have no choice but to follow the actions rather than the words. Exactly. I think that one scene helped clearly identify what the problem was when it came to supporting Trump. There were people who were looking at his actions and they were seeing what he was going to do and what he was doing and the success that was being played out. And then you had the other folks that were listening to his rhetoric and they didn't like the fact that he was combative. So what they were seeing, and they, they saw, they could not only see his rhetoric, but they saw his rallies and how so many people, thousands of people were flocking to his rallies. So they were looking at the message and the flock, and they were going, oh my gosh, it's Hitler 2.0. Whereas the supporters weren't looking at that, they were looking at the results. The man is making promises and he's working to keep them. And those promises are actually making our country stronger and keeping us free. So 
at a at the risk of sounding self promoting, please go back and listen to our podcast if you haven't. Uh, it's a two it's a two series podcast where we talk about why we voted for Trump and we dive into that in more detail. I think you will find it uh, fruitful and informative. So I think as we get ready to kind of wind this down, Sean, I hear the term Christian nationalism. I've come to the conclusion in our discussion that I do not want to be named or labeled a Christian nationalist, but not because I'm not patriotic. I love God. I love our country. I think I don't want to be a labeled Christian nationalist because of the emotion and the divisiveness that that label invokes. I would concur with that. In fact, if I had to pick a label, just coincidentally, I think the best label would be a kingdom patriot. Oh, I like that. And the reason is because it doesn't matter what country you're in. Be a citizen that fosters the success of your nation, the freedom of your nation, the freedom of your people. So when you say when you say foster the success of your nation, to be content to be successful in your nation where you're planted, is there is there a biblical example of that? Well, yeah. When the when the uh, children of Israel were taken captive into Babylon, the Lord told them to bloom where they were planted, be a blessing to their surroundings. And that's what they did. Even if they're in captivity. Yeah. Which they were. Yeah. Because the bad stuff didn't happen until closer to the end of the 400 years. Then the oppression began and, you know, That was the ugly stuff, but they did. They took the Lord at his word and they bloomed where they were planted. And that's why they ended up becoming a huge number within Babylon. Well, as we land the plane, I want to take that thought, Sean, and just share a little bit. A lot of people don't know this if they haven't been to our website at kingdompatriot.us or looked at even the logo closely. If you look at our seal you will see a couple of very distinct things. You'll see an eagle in that seal. And in the middle of it, you'll see us like a square shield with a cross in it. And above both, you will see a crown. And I want to take a minute and explain that because I want to make sure that the work that we're doing as we push this country back, as we desire for this country to return its Judeo-Christian roots, not so we can promote a, an oppressive state of religion, but so that we can honor God, that we can honor God in the way that we go about self-governance. And that is to look at that seal. And that seal shows us our eagle represents our country. We know that the eagle is is our emblem. It it, it represents a lot. But in the middle of that, we know that our country doesn't exist without the heart of Christ. Our country never becomes what it is today without those principles that we find that Jesus gave us. But regardless of what happens with our country, this country is under the authority of God's kingdom. That's what that crown represents. There is no authority authority on earth that's been established that God has not granted it to have. So even as we promote these things, I want you to know that I'm a patriot second. I am a Christian first. And no matter whether we end up in captivity or whether we end up in oppression, we will still be sharing a lot of the same things. But the most important thing is that you for the listener is to know Jesus. So good. So good. I didn't know if you had anything to add to that. Well, what I would add to that is that you did not know I was going to say anything (laughs) about the name of our organization. We didn't talk about that, but as you were talking and as we've been going back and forth, I just kept thinking about the fact that 
the name of the organization actually really says it all about where we stand. It really does. And I remember we debated back and forth and back and forth and back and forth what the name of our organization would be. And I'm so glad we settled where we did. We had lots of debates. We do. <laughs> well, Sean, I hesitate to say this has been a lot of fun. It's always fun co-hosting a podcast with you. The subject is weighty. It's challenging. It's very difficult. So when I say I hesitate to say it's fun, it's just because of the weightiness of the topic. But doing the podcast with you is a lot of fun. I think you have a lot of wisdom and a lot of insight that is really beneficial to our listeners. I thank you for joining me today. I hope we do a lot more of these. It really invites just robust conversation. Is there anything that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Well, I really like uh, the approach that we've taken. And I, I really do think that the bottom line is for the term Christian nationalist, I think it is a label that is strategically used by an individual to either shut down a very truthful point or to shut down the messenger. So we need to be very careful about using the term Christian nationalist. And I think that the folks that get that label slapped on them hardly ever use it. They probably don't use it themselves. So be weary of the motivation of someone who is using the term Christian nationalist on another believer. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Grid. Special thanks again to our sponsor, J.D. Kuhlman. To get music composed for your business, drop JD a note at scoreandsplice at gmail.com. Again, that email address is scoreandsplice at gmail.com. Be sure to tell him you heard about him from the grid. Don't forget to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated, your input is valued, and your voice is needed. I'm Chris Kuhlman, and I am a Kingdom Patriot. Oh, 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 oh,